We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bills showed that they still have AFC, AFC East supremacy. The Bengals had another humiliate, humiliating loss. The Jaguars went all the way to London to get uh, their, their groove back and a whole lot more coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. After most of week four is concluded, got one more game left. Back to one Monday night game. Uh, mm-hmm. but we're back to the London games, and pretty soon we'll be on bye weeks. Uh, we're getting this rhythm of the season going here. Nick, how was your week four? It was a fun week. It was a fun week. We we bounced back uh, in many ways from what was a just flat out disastrous week three in terms of the pick'em league, in terms of the circuit contest, in terms of most of my fantasy teams, but uh, much more productive here at week four. I, I don't think either of us uh, exactly killed it in staff picks, but no. uh, you know, I, I feel like the games that we we felt the strongest about went about as expected. And one of the drawbacks to you know getting those picks in on Wednesday morning, for example, is I know your best bet was the Browns. I was all yeah, over the Cleveland exactly. Browns to win that game against the Ravens. Uh, little do we know that when you wake up on Sunday morning, all of a sudden Dorian Thompson Robinson is under center for the Cleveland Browns. So it, we saw a few situations where context really changed, you know, from middle of, of this past week uh, to Sunday morning. But fun, fun week overall. Uh, you know, started off with not not the greatest Thursday night game uh, with the Green Bay Packers at one point, I think late in the second quarter against Detroit. Uh, it was 244 to negative one uh, in terms of total yardage. But uh, we had a fun game Sunday morning with the Jags out in London and then a great slate uh, in the afternoon on Sunday as always. So I'm down to start wherever you want. I want to hit all these games, but... Uh, we could go wherever you want to kick this off. Well, let's start with uh, Green Bay. Uh, let's go ahead and get that over with uh, first. Uh, that was a beat me down, uh, at least for a half. The second half, I mean, it's hard to evaluate because the Lions had such a prohibitive lead uh, and, the, and the Packers were playing constant mm-hmm. catch up there. Uh, but a disaster in many senses for the Packers. I mean, they couldn't protect Jordan Love. All those injuries that they dealt with and overcame the week before really took roost. Uh, maybe short rest had a lot to do with that too. They couldn't protect love at all. That left side of the offensive line just out and Bakhtiari out long-term. That's, that's a really bad injury for them. Uh, and it really showed in this game. Yeah, no question about that. I think we expected to get a little bit more out of Aaron Jones, a little bit more out of Christian Watson in this game, you know, both players, we're ultimately pretty limited. You know, Aaron Jones only played 20 out of a total of 57 
possible snaps for the Packers. We only saw Christian Watson out there for 26 snaps. So I think, you know, the idea of getting both of those players back ended up being a little bit less than what their true impact was. Christian Watson did catch a touchdown, but uh, kind of a broken coverage, you know, short yardage situation uh, where he was left alone in the end zone. We, we didn't really see any of Christian Watson, you know, the type of plays that you envision from him, you know, kind of you know, yep. streaking down the field, stretching the field for this Packers offense. That was never really in the cards. And part of the reason for that was Green Bay's offensive line just got pummeled, pummeled yep. in this game, especially in the first half. I mean, did, credit to the Packers for making this like somewhat of an interesting game. And if it wasn't for Quay Walker, for some reason, just going rogue and deciding to jump over uh, the line on a, on a field goal late in the second half, Green Bay might've had a chance to, to really pull something off here. And look, it never felt like Green Bay had enough momentum to ever, you know, truly come back and, and tie or win this game. But uh, it was getting somewhat interesting in the second half before that Quay Walker penalty in the first half. Th this was as lopsided of a game as we've seen all year. And that includes the Giants of Dallas in week one. I know that game got out of hand immediately, but consider there that you had a pick six, you had a blocked field goal go back for a touchdown. Like this was 100% like Detroit just dominating Green Bay. There weren't, there weren't those fluky plays. There wasn't right. a, a punt return or anything like that. I mean, it was just Green Bay not being able to do anything offensively and then not do anything to stop Detroit defensively. I mean, it was, it was as much of a one-sided first half as we've seen. Yeah, and so many things went wrong for me in this one. I have Aaron Jones in some leagues. I have Christian Watts in some leagues. I decided I'll hold off on Watts and coming back from, uh, you know, not playing at all this season. Mm -hmm. Didn't know the trust the volume. Eh, okay, I mean, I, I missed out on a touchdown, but it didn't destroy me. But I was like, I need Aaron Jones. The Packers need Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon's really shown that he can't handle the load. Yep. I put Jones in. I got my two and a half points in those leagues where I have him. Yeah. And that just set the tone. I had Luke Musgrave going in a couple of leagues. He got concussed. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, it was a nasty, cold and brutish game for uh, the Packers. I even like I let people talk me into moving Jordan Love up in my rankings, bullied me into that. <laughs> don't don't get bullied by the comments. Just stick to your guns. Uh. Uh, it's just every, I mean, it, again, love, love got the late production, which salvaged his fantasy day. Yeah. And it, it's tough. Um, Mateo, it, it, you're, I know you're zero four. It is going to be okay. You know, sometimes you have a bad start. Sometimes you have a bad team, but we bounce back the next year. <laughs> uh, but the good news is unlike the NFL, if you start off zero four, you have to overcome, you know, half a conference right. here. You're only having to uh, overcome about like seven other Jamokes in your league. So you still got a chance to, you know, and all that matters is getting into the playoffs. There's no home field advantage. In most fantasy mm -hmm. leagues. I think, I think we've bandied about that concept at times, but for the most part, you know, the most advantage you get is choosing your opponent. Sometimes you get it, but I, I almost think the higher seed should get a point advantage, but like the NFFC kind of does. Yeah. Still live is my point. Uh, but I hear you. It, it, it was tough. It, it can be tough all over. And I have one team that is mm -hmm. just that tough. Um, any other Packers lions things you want to share? Not really. I mean, we, we saw a very frustrated Matt LaFleur both at halftime of this game, after the game. I mean, about as exasperated as we've ever seen him. And, you know, having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback for most of your tenure means that you're not often in these situations. But uh, he looked upset. Uh, I think he was upset with the effort, especially of the offensive line early in this game. Jordan Love was sacked five times. Four of those were in the first half. And I think he was upset with some of the defensive scheming. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he's defended Joe Barry more than anybody uh, but but even he you know kind of had a chance to, to to take Joe Barry's back and said uh, something to the effect of look we're running the same thing every time and expecting different results you know that that's insane behavior so I, I think the only way I could really read that is you know kind of sending a message to Joe Barry that hey man get your defense together you know you let David Montgomery run 32 times for 121 yards I mean when Green Bay absolutely needed to get a couple stops late in this game they just could not do it and, and Detroit was you know first to ten they were getting seven eight yards. 
at will on this Packers defensive line. Uh, like right, right when Green Bay had started to get some momentum, you know, they hit that long ball. I think it was to Jaden Reed. Uh, they have the touchdown to Christian Watson. All of a sudden, it's a 10-point game uh, at the end of the third quarter. We saw Green Bay come back and put up 18 points unanswered against uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, a week ago. So you're thinking, all right, you know, here we go again. Jordan Love, he's starting to heat up. The Lions put together a 14-play, nine-minute touchdown drive to slam the door shut. To me, I, I think that's what Matt LaFleur was most upset about, that this defense just could not get it off the field. When you knew the Lions were running – uh, we're, we're basically lining up to run the ball every single down and Green Bay was just getting blown off the line. So a lot of things went well for Detroit uh, tonight, which by the way, on like the second play of the game, Jared Goff threw a pick to Rudy Ford and, and, and you're thinking, yeah, you're all right, Detroit's going to be in trouble here. And that, that turned out to be a harbinger of absolutely nothing right. uh, in this game. But really the, the, the big difference for me and then we can move on was the Detroit offensive line. I thought dominated this game. Yep. A hundred percent. Well, you talked about Montgomery so much for like multiple week absence, so much for easing him back in after missing one game, 32 carries. And, you know, early on, he was just, you know, creasing them a lot too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. Uh, one other thing, Jamison Williams comes back this week for the Lions, shorten the suspension by two day, two games. So he's back mm -hmm. in week five and not week seven. So we'll see if they work him in. And in fact, if he's recovered from that hamstring injury, you know, and, let alone into the game plan, but that's just one more weapon that they have uh, in the long term. He might be available in some leagues. I think this is, you get him cheap now as opposed to waiting till he plays. Yeah. I think you go and grab him and you probably don't start him right away. And I guess you are prepared to live with the possibility that he comes back and has a big impact right away. But I don't think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that's going to be the case, but all it's going to take is like one big play. It doesn't even have to be a touchdown, right? Like right. If, he, if he has a 60 yard reception next week and that's all he does, there's going to be someone out there who grabbed him. You know, I'm looking right now, Jeff on ESPN, he's only 16% rostered. Uh, you know, obviously those tend to be shallower leagues, you know, uh, sure. you're usually only starting two receivers. That's the league where you want to um, grab them. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if you're playing in the NFFC or whatever, he's not going to be there, but a lot right. of listeners are playing in at least one casual league. There's a very good chance that Jamison Williams is out there. I would I would make a cursory ad, uh, and again, you're you're probably not starting him right away, but you're hoping uh, that he's progressed on some of the issues that they pointed out coming into the year. You know, as long as drops aren't a problem, as long as discipline's not a problem, there's no reason that he can't emerge as the number two receiver. Agreed, agreed, absolutely agree. Uh, and look to your point, I'm looking him up in the NFFC right now to see uh, what uh, sort of roster ship he has uh, in the. I, I think uh, he is 100% rostered in the uh, primetime qualifier. Let's let's pull up the primetime. Why would I go to the qualifier? I don't know. Um, I just uh, it's still 100% rostered though. Huh. Who knew? Wow. Crazy. Um, and zero percent started, so everybody's on the ball there, uh, both ways. And same with the online championship, 100% rostered. Uh, so there you go. Good luck mm -hmm. trying to add them uh, in, in that sort of format. But in your your shallower formats, you can still get a chance crack at that. Uh, uh, opportunity there. All right. Spent a lot of time for a game on the Thursday night game. We got a lot more to go through here. <laughs> it's it's weird how we do that. Uh, Jacksonville and Atlanta. Good day for you. Did you, you know, getting up early. So dude, I was in Arizona um, oh, having my. to hit the road beforehand. I got up at five 15 to answer questions, update the value meter. We left at seven 30. I listened to a lot of the game on the, mm -hmm. the second half on the car ride back. Uh, and then I did the rewatch when I got home. Uh, Boy, Desmond Ritter is just, he, he is a rough watch. Yeah, Desmond Ritter handed this game to the Jags, really the second week in a row that the Falcons could not overcome their own starting quarterback. I think it's easy to look at the final score and think, all right, you know, Jacksonville, they, they got their bounce back game. 
the Jags played fine. It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't like last week against Houston. But to me, this was much more uh, about the Falcons just, again, not being able to survive Desmond Ritter throwing picks on back-to-back balls uh, in the first half. One of those was returned by Darius Williams. Uh, the longest pick six in European football history, or at least European NFL history, 61 yards there. Uh, Ritter was just, it's what we see from him really all year, right? Anytime you're forcing him to throw downfield, he doesn't look comfortable. You know, the ball's coming out wobbly. It's coming out inaccurate. Uh, yep. you know, the, the Williams picked off is just way late. Mac Hollins kind of going at him on the sideline. That's never a great sign. Kind of a, a Zach Wilson-ish uh, type of interaction for the Falcons. When Mac Hollins doesn't have your back, you've right. lost the room. Well, hey, 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 <laughs> that's your second receiver. That's your number two receiver, Mac Hollins. Uh, although maybe Johnny Smith uh, holds that title at this point. I mean, he continues to like vastly outproduce Kyle Pitts every single week. Just a complete travesty what they're doing with Kyle Pitts. Uh, but Jacksonville looked good defensively in this game. I mean, three more sacks for Josh Allen, who I believe is up to six now on the year. He's quietly kind of been the only player on that defense who's showing up week in and week out. We saw Calvin Ridley. I guess get back on track, you know, had a, had a long touchdown and a broken coverage to begin this game, but only finished with two targets really was not uh, a key piece in this offense. Once again, we saw the Jaguars rely very heavily on short passes. You know, Lawrence only threw four passes that traveled longer than 15 yards down the field, just short balls, short balls, short balls. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram were heavily involved there. Uh, Jags really didn't do a whole lot on the ground either. ETN carried 20 times for just 55 yards. So this was a really boring, pretty ugly game. Uh, outside of the defensive plays by the Jags. Yeah, it's just because they didn't quite get right. The The final score was nice, uh, but it was the defense that carried the day. Uh, yep. Jacksonville on the second uh, pick had great field position, failed on fourth down, could have got points there. Uh, Third and fourth down. I mean, they did convert a key fourth down on that first touchdown drive, and that was something that they hadn't done in a while. So that, they had that going for them, but they're still, third and fourth down, still a problem for this team. It just it just shouldn't come to to that as often as it is I agree. For, for Jacksonville. I mean, the again, the amount of like third and twos that this team turned into a fourth and one, it's just amazing. Um, and again, I, I don't think they're taking, for as accurate and you know highly graded as Trevor Lawrence has been this season, like he's, he's been really, really good. He, the throws have been where they need to be. I, I don't know why they're not opening things up a little bit more down the field. And obviously that's a little bit easier said than done, especially when you're missing Jamal Agnew, you're missing Zay Jones. Uh, again, I mean, we, we saw a very, very limited pass catching group outside of the top three uh, this past week, but they're, they're just such a conservative offense. Like I, I almost feel like I'm watching a team that has a quarterback that it doesn't trust. You know, like they're, they're using Trevor Lawrence uh, as if he's like Justin Fields or something. Like it's, it's a game it's, manager. Yeah. Yeah. It's so strange. Like the, like the game planning is almost like they're preventing him from taking the top off a of defense intentionally. And it, it you know, it's, it, sometimes like the, you know, the game against Houston, you're thinking, all right, maybe this is a wake up call. Like maybe this is going to force this team to operate differently. And then when you win a game like this, it's like, ah, I mean, you're not going to complain about the result. Uh, of course, you know, you're happy to be two and two. You got the bills next week, but I, I still don't think like what they're doing offensively with Lawrence is really sustainable. If you're hoping to beat the the really good teams in the NFL, like I think the Jags right now are a team that's going to beat the teams that should beat, And it's not going to beat the teams that, it, that, you know, are maybe a level up. It's not really going to compete with them with how they're running this offense. Kind of reminiscent of Atlanta last year when they were winning games. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Kyle Pitts, we got to bench him, don't we? I think you do. I think you do, man. Uh, I mean, this is one of those scripts where the Jags led this game 17-0 at the half, right? And, yeah. you know, if, if you're if you're rostering Kyle Pitts, if you're starting him, like, this is kind of what you want in some ways. Like, even, even though we've seen Atlanta try to run its way back into games, uh, you, you want the Falcons to be forced to throw the ball 30-plus times, and that's what happened. But 
when your quarterback is Desmond Ritter, when you know, you know you're, you're dropping back that many times, you're only looking Kyle Pitts way four times on the day. Meanwhile, Johnny Smith catches all six of his targets for 95 yards. I mean, it's it's extremely disheartening. I think the only thing that would maybe prevent me from trying to sell off Kyle Pitts or or bench him is, you know, do we see Taylor Heineke at some point? You know, Arthur Smith deflected that after the game. He was asked about it at the half as well. He said Desmond Ritter is our guy. We got to take him at his word for now, but I, I think we are we are week to week right now on Ritter as far as him having a grasp on this job. Yeah, he's their guy, just like everybody in the U.S. Ryder Cup team loves Patrick Cantlay. Um, they love him. Okay, love him. Great teammate. Um, all right, let's move on. You alluded to it, the Cleveland Browns. We do submit our staff picks on Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Even if you asked me Saturday night, I would have told you that that uh, Deshaun Watson was going to play. I really thought that was yeah. going to be the case. Um, and turns out, nope, they let us know about two hours before kickoff. He's not going to play. Uh, and DTR, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, came in, got the start, and looked every bit like the rookie making his first appearance in the NFL. Uh, he sure did. And, you know, I was kind of trying try to talk myself into, like, oh, you know, maybe this Browns pick will be okay. You know, the defense will show up. You know, Thompson-Robinson, he's, he's kind of elusive. You know, we'll see what he can do. I mean, this was, like, one of the more, like, obvious, this guy is not ready to play in the NFL starts that we've ever seen and we usually yeah. get like two or three of those a year there's some weird situation with this uh you know i mean thompson robinson people were excited about him had some plays in the preseason uh certainly you know this is a really tough spot finding out the morning of the game uh you know against the baltimore ravens in a big divisional game that you're starting uh you know not many people would succeed in that role so i i don't really blame him but i mean it was pretty obvious early on that cleveland was going to have a tough time doing anything offensively you know when, when you have a quarterback who the defense is trying to bait into throwing interceptions all day you're not going to be able to do a whole lot on the ground that was certainly the case 25 carries for 93 yards uh, as a team for Cleveland although they did lose 20 on Elijah Moore running backwards like four separate times and taking a 20 yard loss hmm. uh, on a reverse play that that did not end well uh, but really I mean it's there's not a lot to say here I mean it, once it became clear that Thompson Robinson was a little overwhelmed uh, you're just kind of waiting back and saying all right when is the next interception coming and he ultimately Ended with three of those. Um, nonetheless, for as good as Cleveland's looked on defense, I, I think you got to tip your cap to the Ravens here. I mean, a nice day for Lamar Jackson. Big day for him fantasy-wise. Four total touchdowns. Uh, you know, I, I think the Ravens went pretty conservative and, and were still able to succeed with that. Yeah, he still got sacked three times, but it was interesting. Yeah. They only let him throw 19 times. By the way, I think Cleveland knew all along and just didn't tell anybody. Uh, that's that's. I don't. You know, Stefanski said suspicious. this morning that Watson was medically cleared and it was Watson's decision. And the way it was phrased was, I, I sensed a little frustration almost, or a little like, hey, man, it was his call. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, again, that didn't come out until an hour or two ago. So yeah. I'm not I'm not really sure. I mean, like I said, there's a player being medically cleared and then a player saying, you know, I, I don't think I can operate with the shoulder, which, you know, I, I don't think we need to call Deshaun Watson's toughness into question by any means. I just thought that was a, an interesting thing to reveal if you're Stefanski. So I was on the road yesterday morning. You happen to know how much the line shifted after that announcement? So, you know, what? when I checked it in the morning, because after the Watson news had surfaced on, what, maybe Friday, there was that initial report that, you know, yep. he might not play. I think it went from Cleveland minus three down to Cleveland minus one and a half. And then early yesterday morning, it was back to Cleveland two and a half. So I'm thinking, okay, that's an indication that Watson will play. Just before game time, I checked. Uh, this was via the CBS app. I'm not sure where their odds come in. And it was Ravens minus two. Okay. So yeah, pretty so- significant swing. But not nearly significant enough. This was a 10-point no, swing no. at least. Um, I really I thought think a lot of faith was put in this Cleveland defense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, I think I think the Browns too, it's like it's hard to quantify, but 
when you realize five minutes into a game that your offense is just not going to be able to do anything, you know, I think that puts your defense in a tough spot. Like the Ravens, you know, the, the first pick from Thompson Robinson, the Ravens are set up first a goal at the 10 yard line. You know, like it, it was not, it wasn't like the Browns defense, like didn't show up. I think they were just put in some really bad situations. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right there. All right. Um, we'll see Browns. I mean, they, they, they get the buy this week and then they get the Niners after this. So I wonder if like having the buy upcoming, maybe also influenced mm-hmm. the decision not to play Watson a little bit there, but you have to yeah. sacrifice a game to do that. It's very weird. All right. Uh, let's have one more game before we get our first commercial note. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, well, let's just get this Bengals game over with here. Uh, <laughs> the Bengals are in real trouble. They're they're Yeah. It's it's Burrow's calf, but it's more than that. I mean, I think the line's not very good again. I, I thought they had, you know, I think they had fixed it. But I mean, I, I Burrow was under constant pressure again. Uh, the defense made like countless bad play, like three plays in a row. Tannehill burned them on their first touchdown drive. And then the Bengals had like all these killer critical penalties later mm-hmm. on. Like you want to get off the field? No. You're gonna you're gonna commit an automatic uh, first down, first down type of penalty there. Jets fans can relate to this a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, I think they're in real trouble. I mean, they go out to Arizona next week. We'll see if the mat. I mean, they're feisty. I don't know if they're good, but at least they're feisty. We'll see. I I'm going out of my way to not look at the lines today, so we can play guess the lines on SXM. All right, good job. I cannot I cannot wait to see what that Bengals at Cardinals line is because that that is a tricky game. All of a sudden, I mean, the Cardinals. We'll, we'll get to them later. I mean. Obviously, they they lose big to San Francisco, but I, I actually thought they looked pretty decent uh, yeah, considering the, the mismatch of talent and coaching there. Oh, it was a um, cover but, but even, for forty seven minutes of that game, easily. Don't even don't even get me started on that. I mean, we I know you and I were both on on Arizona, I believe, in staff picks, and you know, I mean, they they had a couple chances at the end there. Uh, we were also yeah, on KC. Zach Ertz impersonation. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Can't, well, can't it, it all went that. through. I think it was Zach Pascal and the last play of the game. The last had another play of the chance. game. Yep. yep. Um, we also used the Chiefs in circa which was devastating to watch, you know, you just, you knew, you knew exactly what was going to happen there. Like I'm, I'm sitting there watching the game with my fiance. I'm like, we need Mahomes to throw this ball because if he crosses the first down marker, he's too smart and he's not running this in. So we, we basically yep. fell like a yard and a half short of winning that one. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals beyond yeah. Arizona. I mean, they get Seattle, they get the Niners and they get the bills in their three games after that. I mean, I, I think you could, we're, we're a little bit worried about this Arizona game and that's their easiest opponent of the next four. So you're totally right. I mean, it's, it's close to pan especially with you know T Higgins who separately might be one of the biggest you know three biggest busts in fantasy football so far he goes out of this game i believe it was a rib injury he might end up missing some time Jamar Chase sounded really frustrated for the second time this year without he's being used in this offense i you know this is a game that i actually didn't watch a ton of in the early window you probably saw more i mean was it as, as bad as it looked offensively for Cincy so uh, this is part of the drive back from Phoenix, and okay. I had the pleasure of listening to the Tennessee broadcast on this one too, which just pouring a little extra salt in that wound mm. there. Uh, and not that they're bad, but it's just a clear, like you know, exultory uh, you know broadcast. I'm like, oh, again, oh, another penalty again. Wait, pause. Touchdown Titans! Oh God, you know, just you know, <laughs> gets the gets to the ten, gets to the five, gets in the end zone. Pause. Yeah. Pause. Touchdown Titans. Oh, it's painful. Man, I, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's that's yeah. tough for any fan having to listen tough. to a road broadcast. It was tough. Frostbite says Burrow is doing a, a Baker Mayfield impersonation. I mean that the worst way possible, hurting the team by being tough. Agree or disagree? 
Yeah, I have to go back and and watch kind of the the every snap compilation for Burrow this afternoon. I you know, I, I was kind of basing my opinion on this game of what we saw from Cincy last week against what I think is still a pretty good Rams team and a really well-coached Rams team right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, they obviously Burrow was limited, but it worked. You know, he threw the ball 50 plus times. You know, I, I thought that the quick game was the way they were moving Jamar Chase around. You know, you, you're coming up against a Titans team that could not do anything offensively last week against Cleveland. You know, they have a secondary that you should be able to exploit. Like, I, I really thought since he was going to be in a in a good situation here. I think I said, you know, on the show last week, like if you could guarantee me that Joe Burrow makes it through this game, I, I don't see Cincinnati losing. And I, I was just completely wrong on that. I mean, the Bengals offense put together a long drive, ended with a field goal to start this game and really got nothing the rest of the way. Like wasn't even yep. close to scoring at any point after that. Like I, I just, I need to go back and watch like exactly what, you know, what shut down those three straight punts or four straight punts, excuse me, uh, you know, in this in the first half after that field goal drive. And then, you know, in the middle of that, you're giving up three straight touchdown drives as well to an offense that hasn't really been able to move the ball on anybody this year. Uh, Derrick Henry finally got it going. We talked about that last week. It was an eerily similar situation last year. Three terrible games to begin the year, had a big breakout in week four. And that, that's exactly what happened here. 3-3 three, three game. They have him pinned deep, like third and 16 or something like that. Maybe it's a little less than that, but still deep in their own territory. And Tannehill hits a long pass to Hopkins, and the game changed after that. Mm-hmm. A 20-yard play to Westbrook Akini after that, and then a touchdown pass right after that. Three, boom, boom, boom. Three plays in a row, like 75 yards. Game changed. Game was, and then all of a sudden, you couldn't put eight guys in the box against Henry. You couldn't. Yep. You know, you, you got to face some lighter boxes. The tackling on his touchdown run was hideous. Uh, they were confused at the half at the right before the half on the Derrick Henry touchdown pass. Uh, you know, when you see Tanhill in motion and then they call a timeout and they come back from the timeout and are still fooled by the play, something yep. is wrong here. <laughs> um, and you know, nothing wrong. I, I have nothing against the coaching staff. Uh, obviously you can't after the last two years, but the players just, Oh, I, they, they, maybe the short week had something to do with it. They're playing on Monday night. Mm-hmm. going on the road maybe there's more to that than we're giving it credit for but they just you know at, at, they got punched in the mouth and couldn't get back up it was just a, it was just one of those ugly ugly games mm-hmm. i don't want to say anything more about it let's move okay. on yeah if you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournament salary caps or complicated game types then rival fantasy is where you want to play this nfl season from a twist on a classic game with fantasy bingo where players generate a lineup complete with to, to complete achievements and get bingo to head-to-head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival Fantasy is so confident you'll love the experience, they're giving you the money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. Nick Whalen, Jeff Erickson here. Let's talk about the, uh, the game of the century of the week. Uh, which turned out to be a blowout. The Bills taking it to the Dolphins, leading 31-14 at halftime, winning 48-20. Uh, and there there were some coulda, shoulda, woulda moments in this game, but, mm-hmm. I mean, the Bills got stopped like once all day. Yeah, we, I, I was on the right side of this one. I've had a lot of bad calls this year, but I, it kind of felt like, you know, Miami going from facing that just horrific Broncos defense to a Bills defense that it you know, kind of felt like it was peaking at the right time after two great weeks, uh, it would be a tough adjustment for the Dolphins. And that's pretty much what happened. But really, I mean, the Buffalo offense, uh, I think, was the the bigger driving force here. I mean, Miami yeah. scored on his first two drives. We had five straight touchdowns uh, between the two teams to open this game. And you're thinking, all right, I mean, this might, this, this might be just a kind of a first to 55 
type of situation. But as the day went along, you know, we saw Buffalo get to two up, sacked four times on the afternoon. You know, had just looked looked a little uncomfortable. You know, it was throwing some inaccurate passes. We haven't really seen that from him over the previous few weeks. Um, you know, it, kind of just an odd game statistically. You know, like Stephon Diggs did so much of the heavy lifting for Buffalo. Uh, nice night day for for Josh Allen as well. But you know, you see forty eight points on the board for the Buffalo Bills. James Cook, you know, got his touchdown, but 12 carries for 29 yards. You know, Buffalo actually did not have a ton of success running the ball, but hit some big plays. You know, the defense really stepped up uh, for the Bills. And, you know, honestly, early in the second half, you, you kind of felt like this game was over. You know, the second interception by yeah. Tua happens, and then the Bear, the Bills go down and immediately score. That was the third touchdown of the day, I believe, for Stephon Diggs. And uh, at that point, you know, all of a sudden it was 41-20. Even though there were six minutes left in the third quarter, you, you just kind of felt like Miami was beaten down at that point. Uh, and ultimately they were. I mean, they, they went out on downs on their next three drives. Yeah, and, and there's a little asterisk on that. They had a uh, touchdown to uh, Waddle that called got called back with an illegal yep. man downfield. And then they had another one that was blown up by a sack. But you, to your point, I mean, the pass rush was getting it to a, a lot. You know, the, the Bills did to the Dolphins what the Dolphins have been doing to everybody else and put right. the pressure on them like, oh, God, we got to score every possession uh, yeah. because they're going to do that to us. They actually ran the ball well on the first yeah. two drives, and then not much. They did, Then they didn't need to after that, pretty much. But the very first drive, they were running the ball well, and that kind of opened the door up for everything else, it felt like to me. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, a ton of penalties on the Miami side as well. You oh, mentioned the big yeah. waddle one. I mean, they had almost 100 yards in penalties uh, on eight flags throughout the day. But yeah, when, when you dig in, it's like I mean, they ran more plays than the Bills. Like the total yardage was you know about 20 yards apart. Uh, same number of drives. You know, I mean, the passing yards were there. The yards per play weren't all that different. First downs were comparable. Like I, I think this is somewhat of a misleading final score. But uh, you also tip your cap to the Bills here for for how well this defense played. They did lose Tre'Davious White though at the end of yep. this game uh, to an Achilles injury. That is that is brutal. I mean, this feels like what second or third year in a row where, where the bills are, you know, everything's going their way. And then an injury like that kind of completely changes the long-term calculus. I mean, That's certainly right. doesn't knock them out, but that is a, that is a huge, huge loss. We, we saw, was it last year or the year before when they were without Tredavious white? I mean, that, that makes a difference for this defense. I was just going to say, we see what happens when they lose white. We see what happens yeah. when they lose Von Miller, uh, you know, losing that key component this year, they're better yeah. prepared for that. Uh, yeah, it, it was, it, it, you know, that, 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 that's a big blow to them. I mean, the offense is running as well as it's possibly could, mm -hmm. you know, all the rumors about the discord between, you know, Diggs and Allen. I think we can put that to yeah, rest, that's to rest right now. Uh, Tyreek Hill only got five targets. Now I think a lot mm -hmm. of that was pass rush based and they probably bracketed him a little bit more. And again, divisional game. They played each other three times last year. Yep. Last time was Skylar Thompson, obviously, but you know, the familiarity uh, issue is big there. And in fact, the regular season game in Buffalo, if you recall, I think that was like, I want to say that was around Christmas and it was a, right. a cold snowy game and Tua went nuts in that game. Um, they, they learned from that. Uh, the bills yep. did, and they, they created a lot more pressure. Uh, so, uh, that, that was pretty big there. Uh, other, I don't really have a, too many other observations from this game. It's yeah. just one of those I, I got a. I got a couple that I'll just run through quick for fantasy. Okay. I mean, we, we did see Dalton Kincaid outsnap Dawson Knox. Um, okay. More importantly, dominated the number of routes run. The, the, the snaps were fairly comparable, but I believe this was the first time all season that Kincaid has actually won that battle. Uh, so it's, you know, kind of felt like it's been moving that way. They, they like to use both, but I think Kincaid uh, certainly looks like the higher upside guy and is, is the guy to own in, in dynasty formats. No question. Uh, Devin Achan as well, right? I mean, we, we, we got the, 
uh, kind of got the split that we were hoping for. If you went and picked him up and, and threw him out in your lineup, I mean, 39 to 28 was the snap share uh, in mm-hmm. favor of HN. Of course, still no Jeff Wilson. We'll see if that changes. Salvin Ahmed was active, barely played. They, they kind of just went with the two backs, but HN looked the part, man. I was a little bit skeptical, you know, as far as like, you know, you look at what he did last week and you think, you know, you just kind of expect that he's going to be blowing up every single week, but to go for one Oh one with two touchdowns against this bills defense, when it felt like a lot of things went wrong for Miami uh, and, you know, of course, for for him to win that snap share over Mostert, who was arguably even better than him last week, uh, that that to me is a, a really, really positive indication. I, I still do want to see, you know, once Jeff Wilson's back, that they force him into the mix. But I think if you went and picked up HN last week, you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, Mostert put the ball on the ground twice, uh, losing yep. one of them. Uh, he also made a sweet catch on a wheel route. The first two drives, Miami went boom, 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 and answered Buffalo yep. right away. And it looked like we were just going to be in the shootout of all shootouts. Uh, and then. You know, the, the, all it took was Buffalo getting one stop, and it felt like the game just – it got to 28-14 just like that, and it felt like, oh, they're in trouble here. And sure enough, they were. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the next game because we got a lot more to cover here. Uh, let's hit up uh, to, uh, Chicago and Denver. Um, Justin Fields for three, three and a half quarters of the game, maybe three quarters of the – let's say three quarters of the game. Yeah. Really looked like he was having a good day. I mean, he was having a good day. Threw for uh, four touchdowns, for crying out loud. Looked like it was redemption day. And then he had the the, the fumble six. Uh, and then, you know, it got picked on the last play. But that that's – that I don't really blame because they were in, like, deep mode and all that. But this was a game Chicago should not have lost. They're up 28-7, first of all. You know, and then just the sequence of events in the fourth quarter. I, this game completely delivered uh, on what we were hoping for, right? It actually it was actually pretty well played, uh, especially through those first three quarters. You know, like the Bears looking as competent as they did was not the result that I expected, but uh, it, it just felt a little bit too good to be true, right? Like Justin Fields, like I, I think it's safe to say that was had they won this game, that would have been the best game of his career. I mean, passing the ball, like he looked like a completely yeah. different player, and then it's you know it's ironic that we see something somewhat similar from Zach Wilson uh, in the Sunday night game. But I mean, that was this was the best fields has looked in a very long time. It was the most confident that he's looked. They had him rolling out a bit more. You could tell, uh, you know, kind of buying time, surveying the field, having the option to run. He looked like he felt a lot more comfortable. I also think we have now confirmed that this Denver defense is just horrific. I don't know what happened to this team year over year. Uh, Obviously you lose your coordinator, you lose a few pieces, but I mean, this defense is awful, awful. awful. You can see why Miami put up 70 a week ago, but it's just only the Bears could find a way to lose this game, right? I mean, like you said, 28 to seven at one point, Denver did not get its second touchdown until the final seconds of the third quarter. So, I mean, you basically yeah. made a 21 point comeback in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I think the play that you think of most, the, the fields fumble six, um, you know, at first you're thinking, oh, was the arm going forward? As soon as you see the replay, very clearly it wasn't, you know, there's really no argument even from the Bears. That one, you know, you felt like, oh boy, the things are getting away from us. But then, Chicago puts together a drive. You're thinking, all right, they're going to take this clock down. They're going to get a field goal. They opt to go for it on fourth and one, two minutes, 52 seconds left from the Denver 18 and Khalil Herbert gets stuffed. Well, that does, that description doesn't do it justice. Cause first of all, they lined up called, you know, they they tried to draw them off sides, uh, you know, did that call the timeout came back. And then this was the play. I hated the fact they were in shotgun formation, the handoff. So it takes Herbert time to get going. He doesn't have a head of steam. Oh, and by the way, you have Justin Fields, who is very fast and very mobile. And you decide that's your play call, running it into the pile. I I just, I had a real problem with that. Earlier, they barely, 
barely converted a fourth down conversion where they mm. did a direct snap to Cole Komet. That was yeah, and I said that right. That was awful. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw our guy Danny Burke was was lighting up Twitter about that one. He's like, I know it worked, but are, are you kidding me? Apparently, that's like been a pet player of theirs for the last couple of years. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, you also have Deontay Foreman who again did not have a carry in this game. I know he's kind of been out of the mix, but like that's the guy Herbert I would run in a fourth and one. It would be Khalil Herbert. Yeah, and 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 fairness, Herbert had a good game. He was running yeah, well, and earlier on that drive, he ran over like four people. So I get it, but when the whole world knows it's coming. It's not an effective play. And Fields is having the game of his life. Spread yeah. the field. Let him, do, let him do some things there. I understand the fumble six happened. Not, some of that's on him for not seeing the blitz coming. Some of that is, oh, maybe block that guy. I don't know. Um, he had no time at all on that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, so frustrating. So, so frustrating. Um, speaking of frustrating, Marvin Mims had 12, 12 snaps, I think. Or twelve. I I don't know if it's snaps or routes, but point is they barely used him. He had a big play to set up the game-winning field goal. But hey, let's try using him a little bit more. He's good at football. And, and, and meanwhile, like we're getting Brandon Johnson scoring again. Uh, so he's up to like four touchdowns on ten targets, uh, which is so so frustrating. Some you know there yeah. are people. Someone's gonna say, oh, I picked him up and streamed him this week, and yeah, I won. Okay, yeah, I got seven points. Good job. Um, but. You know, and, and you know, of course, Javante Williams got hurt. Jaleel McLaughlin looks like a real deal. He looks he looks the part. Of yeah. course, he looks the part against the Bears. And we'll see what he does against the Jets this week. It might be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed by him for sure. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Khalil Herbert did have a good game prior to getting stuff there. Uh, you know, he's basically taken over, I think, as the very clear guy. There was a little Roshan Johnson momentum these last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, he'd taken at least 50 percent of the third down snaps. In weeks two and three, that all faded away. It was Herbert six to one uh, on third down uh, in terms of snaps this week. So we like that if you're holding Herbert. Uh, You mentioned Mims too. I mean, five catches of at least 30 yards already this season for a guy who's not playing that much at all. He he ran 12 Mm -hmm. routes on 17 snaps. Uh, Both he and Brandon Johnson played 17 snaps. So they're basically going Sutton and Judy uh, more often than not with a tight end, you know, whether that's Adam Troutman or I think Chris Manhurts is the other guy in the mix. And then, you know, kind of a rotation of Johnson or Mims or even little Jordan Humphrey. Uh, who we saw with the catch uh, in this game as well. But it's it's kind of a two-receiver system. And like the, the Brandon Johnson thing, it's like the touchdown numbers are hard to ignore at this point. I, I think if he's out there at a deeper league, you, you probably grab him, but mostly because there's just not any other appealing options. Yeah. Denver ran 48 plays. Uh, yep. They got out, uh, gained 471 to 311. First downs were 26 to 17. Hard for any of our guys to get enough use if you're on Den- on the Denver side of things when you know Chicago just, they couldn't get Chicago off the field. I think that was one yeah. of the big things. As you said before, this Denver defense is really bad. Um, and I think that that's a major, major takeaway there. Uh, McLaughlin's going to be a heavy uh, fab guy this week if uh, Williams looks like he's going to miss mm-hmm. the this week, which I, I'd presume he would. I would think so, too. We'll have to wait a few days. Uh, they do get the Jets, so not, not a great matchup on paper. They're at the Chiefs after that. But, uh, again, it's, it's going to be pretty slim pickings here, uh, you know, barring any massive injuries in this Monday night game. So I, I think McLaughlin... Uh, is, is going to be somebody that you're, you're looking at at running back and, and what should otherwise be a pretty quiet week on the waiver wire. Yeah, should be. Uh, in fact, uh, when I did sneaky ads with Allen earlier today, we were kind of struggling. I like Michael yeah. Wilson on the Cardinals a little bit yep. there. Um, you know, see if Williams, Jamison Williams available and we get to tight ends. Well, I'll talk about tight ends because it's Denver. Ty Conklin for the Jets going against Denver. Denver is a tight end funnel. Uh, you, they, mm-hmm. they lost their starting safety on, on week one, if you recall. Uh, they've, they've had safety issues all season long. So I think that can be uh, exploitable. 
Yeah, no question. We saw Conklin, you know, win the snap battle pretty convincingly last night. I mean, Jeremy Rucker was involved. Uh, you know, they, they, I mean, the Jets actually use a ton of tight ends, so it's a little bit, uh, a little bit. They're going to use there, Darius Rucker. I mean, yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Uh, but nonetheless, forty snaps for Tyler Conklin, twenty-three routes run. That's a good note. Uh, I think the Denver defense and the Minnesota defense. If you're playing those teams, get them out there. Exactly. Uh, let's talk a little Houston and Pittsburgh. Uh, first of all, CJ Stroud again, 300 plus yards, no picks. The guy's unreal, man. I, I continue to be really surprised by this. I, yeah, you got to respect it. I, I really thought of the three rookie quarterbacks. He's the one who would struggle the most. I didn't, didn't love the situation. You know, you're bringing in a, a first year kind of defensive head coach, uh, a guy who for the most part, you know, threw from a clean pocket at Ohio state. There's just kind of a lot of things that I felt like weren't going in his favor, at least for year one. But I mean, this is, we're getting to the point now where this is like one of the best starts ever for rookie. Uh, you know, he's already you know, blasted through the record for most passes without an interception. Uh, I don't, I don't care what quarterback you are, you know, who, who you turn out to be in 10 years going this long without throwing a single pick, not having a ball tipped, not having something, uh, you know, kind of a bad luck play go against you is really, really impressive. And I mean, we have to have a conversation, Jeff, about just like, what is this Texas team? I mean, this is back-to-back blowouts against Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, you know, granted these are not, you know, two of the five or even 10 best teams in the league, in my opinion, but uh, you know, you're doing this to Mike Tomlin, you're doing this to a, a great Steelers defense. And yeah, you know, when we talked about this on the show last week, I, I was leaning Pittsburgh. I picked Pittsburgh and staff picks because mm-hmm. I thought this Steelers defense would do what the Jags defense did not. And that was get pressure on CJ Stroud. I, I thought this would be a game where he's on the ground four five, six times because TJ Watts going crazy for the second straight week, CJ, Zero zip, not a sacks. Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think I cut out, or maybe you did for a second. So I, I, I was giving you the zero sign, but I was also not hearing you when you were talking there. So for a second there, but uh, yeah, I, I astounded. Uh, also, for the 39th consecutive week, the Steelers could not put 400 yards on the board. Um, Fire Matt Canada. When do we do this now? I mean, this is this is reaching critical levels, and I, I think. <laughs> Well, it'll be a test of Mike Tomlin's loyalty because I think we've reached that point. And if I don't think you'll talk to a single Steelers fan that says, yeah, you know, we got to see this through. We, we got to give him a chance here. Uh, and we also buried the lead that Kenny Pickett went down yeah. in this game. And they, they do think he's avoided like an ultra serious injury, but still could be something where he misses multiple weeks. Seems like he'll almost certainly be out uh, of the Steelers next game. So chances are that that's going to be Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we went through that experience last year. I don't think he really brings anything to this offense that Kenny Pickett does not, I mean, maybe slightly better mobility. I think they're actually kind of the same player in a lot of ways. Uh, Pat Fryermuth also dealing with a hamstring injury. That'll be something yeah. to watch. We, we could get our first kind of real look at, at Darnell Washington, who played more snaps on Sunday with Fryermuth leaving that game. Um, not, a, not a whole lot of other takeaways here. I mean, you just, again, you, you got to chalk it up to the Texans being a much better team than we expected. Really surprised that they were able to control that Pittsburgh defensive line. I did think Najee Harris actually looked pretty good. I mean, had some, had like two or three plays where he's just like blasting through tackles. He was spinning all over the place, uh, finished 14 for 71. Uh, obviously, it's going to be buried in a performance like this for Pittsburgh. But um, I, I actually thought on, on a snap for snap basis, this was pretty easily his best game of the year. Yeah. Uh, and yet, what did that mean? Not much. The Nothing. 225 Nothing. total yards offensively. 451 for the Texans. This was a beat me down. There's there's no fluke about this score at the score line at all. If anything, it could have been even a, a bigger blowout. Um, 
they we we saw a, a trick play touchdown. Devin Singletary throwing a pass for a touchdown. That's the only way uh, that Dalton Schultz can score. Uh, but uh, Nico Collins went off in this game. I, I wanted to mention this with Denver too. When elite corners go bad, they stay bad. Patrick Peterson mm-hmm. is not a good corner these days. Patrick Sertan is not getting stopped by is, is not shutting down anybody. DJ Moore had himself a day uh, against him. Sertan's gotten beat by other teams too. I, I don't think he's the same shutdown guy this year. Maybe it's the scheme that's preventing that. I don't know. But DJ Moore was, Sertan was on Moore for a lot of Moore's damage mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. So, and I know Peterson is just, he, he's he's just straight up bad right now. Yep. No question about that. I mean, it's just, you know, he's kind of at that like Julio Jones point, uh, but on the other side of the ball where the name is still there, the respect is still there, but um, you know, the, the production just is not. And, it's going to be tough sledding next week for the Steelers, uh, presumably starting Trubisky against the Ravens. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Uh, Damian Pierce still can't get going 24 for 81, 3.4 yards per carry long of 13 did have a 27 yard reception. Mm-hmm. So that helps, but you know that we're hoping uh, we haven't had close to a big day from him on the ground yet. Not yet. And you know, it's like, this would be kind of the script for that to happen, right? When you're up big and just kind of running yeah. out the clock and, you know, Pittsburgh's not necessarily the team to do that against, but I, I think basically this, this, this was his most productive game of the year, which is saying a lot, um, you know, for as, for as fun as this Texans passing offense has been for as great as CJ Stroud has looked, it doesn't really, it has not trickled down to Damian Pierce having more room whatsoever. He did have one catch for 27 yards, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be looking to get off Damian Pierce if I can. I mean, it's a tough time to sell for certain, but I, I think there's just, there's going to be a lot more like 13 carry 39 yard weeks in his future. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, So before we move on to the next game, here's a quick note from our Blue Wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are on the Blue Wire Network. We're happy to be on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, so thank you for your indulgence in hearing their ads. All right, let's move on to the uh, next game. Uh, we've got a lot still to cover. Uh, let's hit up uh, Minnesota Carolina. Maybe not a lot to cover in this game. This was a mm-hmm. snoozer of a game. Yeah, Vikings very lucky to escape here. They finally get their their first win. They are now one and three. Uh, but really, a lot of the metrics would push you toward Carolina. And part of it was just some fluky plays. You know, Minnesota gets down basically to the one yard line on the first drive of the game. Ninety nine yard pick six. Uh, they they end up punting on two of their next three possessions. Did sneak a touchdown in there as well. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins threw another really bad interception that was tipped right towards the end of halftime or right before halftime, I should say. It looked like Minnesota at that point was at the very least going to get a field goal, if not a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two just backbreaking plays that, I mean, that first pick by cousins was awful. I, I don't, I don't know what, just throwing all the way across the field, like just an easy pick for the defender and really nobody. He threw there that on to, faith. I know he's a faithful guy and all that, but he, he is, he is a guy guy. going to be open. You know, they thought yeah. that the, 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 that there was essentially a pick play and he thought that they didn't see it coming and thought it'd be back shoulder. Instead, he's like, I'm ready. Let's go. And Cousins got blasted, by the way, on the, yeah. the interception return too. After for sprinting his, like eighty-five yards, uh, I appreciate the effort at the end of it. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah there are just a lot of short drives in this game. You know, you look at the second half; it's just uh, kind of teams trading three and outs, four and outs. Uh, you know, the, the the big swing play that really kind of opened this up for Minnesota uh, was the you know the the Wyndham, uh, sack fumble. I think it was Harrison Smith on the sack, and then Wyndham brings it back for yep. about a fifty-yard touchdown. Uh, we are now, you know, four weeks into the season. Carolina has not put up 300 yards of total offense in a game yet. Uh, I actually thought Bryce Young looked okay uh, in this one. I mean, it, it certainly didn't kill them. 25 of 32 for 204 yards. You're just, you're not seeing the wow plays that you are with CJ Stroud or even in a different way, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I agreed. Uh I, I think they would have been better with Andy Dalton yesterday. Uh, yeah. Evading, maybe not evading the pass rush, but at least getting uh, plenty of time, getting rid of the ball quicker. Uh, you know, the, they were driving on that play, and he had a couple of scrambles, and that was great. Uh, that kind of got them in on that drive. But ugh, you know, the pass rush really got uh, dialed up. He, a young, almost threw uh, a, a pick six uh, to, uh, mm-hmm. to the same guy that got the fumble six touchdown. Um, he did. It was a deflection at the line. Um, it, it just. I, I don't know. Uh, Wanham. Yeah, that's it. Um, yep. th- yeah. Pat. It's listed as a pass defense. It was nearly a pick six, but the Carolina offensive line is really bad. I think that's my yep. big takeaway really from all of this here. Uh, they're, they, they can't protect young and they, they're not opening up holes. Miles Sanders, 13 for 19, albeit, you know, on a sore groin, Chuba Hubbard out, uh, carried him 14 for 41, but that's 2.9 yards per carry. It's, it's hard to get. And this is against Minnesota who yep. is not good. Uh, not good defending the run. We saw, you know, some of that, of course, is Philly on that Thursday night game, just driving bus size yeah. holes through their run defense. But still, this, this is not a great run defense, and Carolina couldn't do anything in that respect. Uh, Justin Jefferson could have had three touchdowns, had one called back after he just really stepped out of the back of the end zone before catching it. 
I mean, I, should, I shouldn't say it was a rule. He did step out of the back of the end zone yeah. before that. Game. He got caught doing so. Um, and that was it in the passing game. I and mean, Cousins couldn't get anybody else going. Only 139 passing yards in this game. Hawkinson had one play, big uh, catch and run called back due to a penalty. Uh, and then they ran the same exact play on that drive. That was the drive before halftime where the tip pass ended it. There. Yeah. Um, but they, they didn't unlock Hawkinson, only three targets. You know, Madison had, uh, I mean, I, Madison got going on the running game early on. Uh, Jordan Addison had, did, only had one target, had another one where he drew a 45-yard PI, which is why they were down at the one in the first place on that first drive. Uh, but, he, you know, they didn't get him going that much. It's a very weird game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Minnesota only ran, I think, like 11 real plays in the second half. Uh, obviously, they got the ball back late and, and ran out the clock, but only 11 meaningful plays in the second half. They only had one third down conversion on the entire day. I mean, really not a game that Minnesota deserved to win, in my opinion. I think with, with Carolina getting the pick six, uh, you know, if, if they didn't give it back with that that fumble six, it's probably a game uh, that they have a good chance to hang on and win. But there's just not, not a lot of optimism. Like Carolina is another one of those teams, kind of like Jacksonville, where everything looks difficult. You know, it feels like a, a monumental achievement to like pick up 10 yards on a third and nine. Uh, part of that is the playmaking. Part of that's a rookie quarterback. But there's just uh, – uh, something's not clicking here because I, I still believe in this defense. I think they've actually played pretty well. I'm not not saying it's yeah. a dominant unit, you know, might not might not be a top ten unit, but it's in that it's in that conversation. So, um, you know, the Panther, like we've seen a lot of bad teams with rookie quarterbacks over the years. You know, the Panthers are zero and four. They're I, I still don't feel like they're a terrible team. Like they're they're putting in a good effort every week. They're just just kind of finding ways to lose. Terrible offensive line though. Bottom three offensive yeah, line. Really bad. And Five more sacks today. For number one overall pick, and you can't protect them. Seems like a a bad yeah. formula to me. Uh, all right, let's talk a little Rams and Colts because this was more of a refreshing game. I enjoyed this yeah. game, actually. Yeah, I, I, the Rams have actually, to me, not been a fun team to watch the last few years, partially because of the injuries and like right. some of the talent drain after the Super Bowl. But they've they've become really fun. Like Matthew Stafford is, I mean, I, I kind of regret not betting him to lead the league in interceptions because he will just he'll, he'll make any throw. Like there's not a single throw that he'll say like, oh, yeah, you think I can't make this? Boom. Yeah. Uh, got picked. Got picked once in this game. Kind of helped the Colts. I mean, this one was over. It was 23 uh, nothing, L.A. Rams early in the third quarter. And, you know, Indy had just done nothing at that point. All of a sudden, they score. They get the two-point. And, you know, they score again. And you're like, oh, what the heck? This is a one-score game. Like, I, I was watching this one mostly on red zone. And, like, the, I, I don't know if Scott Hansen was just, you know, too busy paying attention to other games. But, like, it's an eight-point game. And he's like, well, the Colts are just trying to make this one respectable. And he's like, wait a second. This is a one-score game. And that's kind of exactly how I felt. Like, the whole day, I had just yeah. talked this up to – all right, well, the Rams are going to win this one. Don't have to worry about that for pick them. Don't have to worry about it for, for bets, whatever. Uh, the hay is in the barn. And, you know, it goes to overtime. The Rams put together a really nice eight-play, 75-yard drive. Puka Nakua fittingly finishes that off by, by falling into the end zone. He was back in a big way. Nine catches on 10 targets for 163 and that score. Kyron Williams up to his old tricks. He scored the first two touchdowns of the game at a big day on the ground. We saw a little Ronnie Rivers as well carried the ball nine times, uh, pretty similar split as the last couple of weeks for the Colts. Uh, obviously with Richardson back, he ran the ball 10 times, but it was pretty much all Zach Moss uh, when they handed it off. We, we did see a couple snaps for Trey Sermon. Yeah, we did. Um, Taylor could be practicing this week, though. The practice window can be open. It's a matter of does he want to be open? I'm getting in the – my, my gut is telling me he's going to be back. Um, because I think they see he sees that okay, Zach Moss is actually playing well. I better get back. I don't know. Uh that 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 that's my lean. And the longer you're out, the longer it takes to come back, I feel like too. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we'll see. He probably won't. Play, he won't play this week. I'd be surprised if he did, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is practicing this week. I, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I know the Colts earlier today, you know, Shane Steichen said that he's not going to rule out Taylor playing next weekend. So obviously he would need to, he would need to practice this week. And I, I, I stand corrected two minutes ago. The Colts just tweeted from their official account per coach, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Taylor will return to practice Wednesday. So there we go. There you go. Indeed. Um, big, big, big news as far as that goes. Um, other notes from this game, Michael Pittman, only one catch he had five targets. The Anthony Richardson experience is fun. He, we saw Pittman live through, you know, has been, been kind of getting the alpha treatment all season long until this week, only five, only five targets. And some of that is you got a quarterback that's just not just willing to pull it down, but is looking for reasons to pull it down and run. And that's going to hurt all the receivers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were at least bracing for this coming into the year. I, I don't recall talking to anybody who was like super high on, on any Colts pass catchers. Uh, you know, we, we saw Richardson like really spreading it around to like the depth pieces at tight end. Uh, yeah. So if you started Drew Ogletree this week, congratulations. If you started Mo Alley Cox, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, they'll they'll be getting Jelani Woods back soon as well. I, th I think as early as this coming week, he could be off of IR. So there's just another like random tight end to throw into the mix here. Uh, but I, I continue to be impressed by Richardson, man. I mean, there's the lows are low, right? I mean, he's 11 of 25 throwing the ball in this game. You're not, not going to say everything was great, but the way that he picks the spots when he runs is, is really impressive. Like there are, there are some rookie quarterbacks who are just chaotic when they're out there. You know, I, I think we saw that with Justin Fields as a rookie. We continue to see it with him now. Uh, but Richardson, you know, despite kind of being this, this run first guy, like he's, he's smart about it. He's, he's super smooth. There's like kind of a, a quiet confidence with the way he commands this team. I mean, even after falling behind 23, nothing, you never really felt like he was pressing. Yeah. Yeah, that that is true, and I mean that I gotta say, I mean that the touchdown to uh, to the second touchdown to Allie Cox, that was a sweet, sweet play. I mean, I yeah. gotta give him credit for that. I mean, yes, they're, they're bringing that back. Dallas Clark's so she can have like six tight ends on the roster, I think. But mm -hmm. uh, nonetheless, I mean, yeah, it, it does hurt the wideouts a little bit there. But then again, I mean, it's if it's working for them, ten for fifty six did lose a fumble, and that was one of the the themes yeah. of the NFL this week. I felt like. Young players realizing, not realizing that there's like every player on the field can strip it from you. It's not just that one guy yep. you have to worry about. Yeah, sometimes you can just see those fumbles coming, right? Like you, yep. you, you see a, a linebacker trailing the play and they got their arm out ready to make that that slap at the football. Yep. And they're like, that. Uh, yeah, lost yep. one, lost one near the end of the first quarter. At that point, I was already 14 nothing. That led directly to a field goal to make it. 17 nothing but yeah i mean i don't have much to say on this game i mean neither of these teams yeah it's the rams are interesting for fantasy the colts not so much uh, although with taylor coming back that's a, an entirely different discussion um but i i just think you gotta you gotta hand it to the colts for rallying back uh i mean this kind of this to me felt like uh okay all right maybe this team played a little bit above its level the last couple of weeks they're you know they're, they're kind of going through the typical rookie quarterback uh you know kind of down part of the ups and downs uh, but you know, to, to even make this an overtime game, even, even after you end up losing, I, I think feels like somewhat of a minor victory. Indeed. Indeed it does. A major victory was by the, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into the saints, going into New Orleans and beating the saints, beating them handily 26 to nine. <sighs> really frustrating game. If you're, if you're a New Orleans fan, I mean, this offense has looked pretty bad for Ugh. most of four games. Uh, this was the, this was their magnum opus. I'll tell you that. I mean, they're, they're two and two, and they have not scored more than 20 points in a game this season. You know, it's been 16, 20, 17, nine through four games. Uh, I don't really think they were all that much better off with Derek Carr playing this week. You know, credit to him for 
pushing through whatever he's going through with the shoulder, but 23 completions for 127 yards. Uh, Alvin Kamara uh, like shattered the NFL record for fewest yards with uh, to number of catches ratio. I, I think the previous record was like 13 catches for like 75 yards. He had 13 for 33 yards, which is almost impossible uh, when you just think about like how that happens. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just a day where New Orleans couldn't do anything. Like their one big break came just before half where you know Tampa Bay had drove all the way into the red zone. Uh, I think it was uh, Isaac Yadam uh, grabbed a pick in the end zone. And then, you know, they had to tr- try to kind of get away from the goal line to hand the ball to their fullback who immediately fumbles. And two plays later, Tampa Bay gets the touchdown anyway. Uh, so yep. that, that to me, like once Tampa Bay punched that in, it was 14 to three Tampa Bay gets the ball uh, to begin the second half. It, it, you just kind of felt like the way this New Orleans offense is operating right now, like coming back from an 11 point deficit, it just, it just seems impossible. Like they, they at no point did they ever really threaten to win this game. Yeah. Agreed. It, maybe just maybe they were signaling that they were going to check down to Camara almost every play, by the way, biggest are, you know, Camara's day is like a perfect argument against PPR leagues, right? You know, he yeah. had a combined 84 yards. He should have about, you know, okay. Maybe he should have 10 to 12 points. No, he had 13 points just on receptions alone. Plus the, you know, he ended up with a 23 point day. It's like as if he yeah. had two touchdowns or something like that. It's it just, uh, I can I can hear Andy Barron's turning over in his grave, and I love you, Andy. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I know Andy is a big anti PPR guy, and this is you know games like this are why. Um, so yep. yeah, uh, it, it, it's it, it was pretty awful. Plus, it killed Chris Olave. Just absolutely killed him this week. One yep. catch for four yards, six targets. But come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, worst game of Olave's career. Not really his fault. Just Derek Carr being Derek Carr, Dennis Allen being Dennis Allen. This has been a very unimaginative Saints offense to begin the year. Uh, final note on the Bucks: Mike Evans left this game early with a hamstring. Yeah. Was was kind of trying to get it loose. He's riding the bike on the sidelines. Ended up, uh, you know, kind of calling it um, and, and deciding that he couldn't go back in. So that led to a nice game for Chris Godwin, eight for one fourteen. But uh, got to monitor Mike Evans uh, very very closely now. Uh, over these next couple of weeks, although the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are off this I week. Know, perfect so I guess timing, if, there's, if there's a good time to tweak your hamstring, it's right before the bye. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect timing there. Uh, yeah. Kate Otten got in the end zone, just frustrating everybody that streamed him last week for the Eagles game. And now he does it in a game where New Orleans is supposed to be awesome against tight ends. So of course, Otten scores. Then I went yeah. three for 16. So he really can't count too much on that. All right. Yeah. One of the best games in the early slate, maybe the best game in the early slate was Washington and Philly. And kind of surprisingly so. Yeah, it was. I uh, I was on Philly in Circa Million. Uh, obviously, we did not win that. We kind of felt like, you know, early in the second half, that was down the drain. Like Philly, Philly looks so good uh, against Tampa last week, especially with the offensive line. And you're thinking, OK, maybe you can't expect, you know, 10 foot holes every single week. But if they could do they could do 75 percent of what they were doing last week they're going to be fine against a commander's defense that has not been as good in real life as we thought it would be on paper, but Philly really struggled to run the ball in this game. Uh, DeAndre Swift, 14 for 56, uh, no explosive runs on the day whatsoever. Jalen Hurts uh, was the only player that, that had a run longer than 13 yards uh, that came in a scramble situation. Um, but really to me that the Philadelphia defense, I don't think showed up either. I mean, I, I think if you told, yeah. if you told the Eagles, Hey, you're, you're going to put up 34, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to throw for 300 plus AJ Brown's going to have a massive day. Devontae Smith's going to have a good day as well. Uh, you would think, okay, we win that game pretty comfortably, but Philly just could not get stopped. You know, we, we saw time and time again, uh, you know, Washington converted 10 third and fourth downs, you know, Philly had like four opportunities to end this game late before it even went to overtime and just, you know, kept allowing conversions, finally allowed a touchdown on the final play of regulation. So 
Um, you know, Philly, I think in some ways, lucky to be 4-0. Uh, that this game, it felt like was maybe a slight step back when it felt like they were becoming the team that we thought they could be a week ago. But nonetheless, I mean, good teams find ways to win these games. And um, yeah. you know, I, I still think Philly is one of the two or three best teams in the NFL. This is kind of like, you know, I guess in the, in retrospect, it's not like it's kind of foreseeable. Washington is a divisional game, right? Uh, was it last year or two years ago where they, they and it was last year. It was, was last year when they lost straight up on Monday night, right? Yeah. Yep. That was last year in Philly again. Yep. No, no. Or was it in Washington? I forget. I, it might've actually been in DC, but point is there's some familiarity. There was some luck involved here too. Terry McLaurin falls on Robinson's fumble in the end zone, for instance. I mean, that, that's a pretty mm -hmm. lucky play. Uh, you know, that the fact that Washington didn't turn over the ball, they put the ball on the ground twice. Antonio Gibson at least had the decency to recover his own fumble this time. So, you yeah. know, that good baby steps in the right direction for him. Uh, Hal got sacked five times, including one in overtime. That was a big, big play. Uh, they kind of stepped up at the at the yep. key moment there. Uh, but yeah, I I kind of view this as Philly still awesome. It was the fact that it was so close and that they were behind and danger of being a a survivor victim is a you know hey they, the fact that they rallied from that is impressive still when they couldn't do the things yep. that normally work. Um, I think they'll I think they'll totally be fine. There's they're going to lose at some point this season, but. Uh, that was uh that, that that was they got by without their A game. And I, I think that's right. a sign of a good team. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it because I think probably twenty-eight other teams in the NFL lose this game. Uh, but Philly, you know, has the infrastructure, has the trust in, in that offense, uh, and, and really the trust in that defense, I think, to, to step up when it really matters. So yeah, I, I mean this this felt like I wouldn't say, I think offensively they played pretty well. I would say it was like a B plus game, maybe A minus game offensively. It was like a C minus game for the defense. And yeah, like I said, most teams in yeah. those situations will end up losing this game, you know, because the commanders played really well. I think, I think Washington played about as well as they could have against this Eagles sure. defense. Sam Howell made some huge throws. I mean, they had just some, uh, you know, unbelievable like balls that were just about to hit the ground or, you know, defender, if he has two more inches on his reach, it gets knocked away. I mean, a lot of things went the commander's way uh, today. And then, yeah, if you're the Eagles to, to still come out with a win here, you're feeling pretty good. So they are now four and uh, they get the they're on the road at the Rams this week. Uh, then they're at the Jets home for the Dolphins. So fun little stretch here for the Philadelphia Eagles. And meanwhile, the commanders, we get to reprise greatness. We get Bears commanders on Thursday night again. <sighs> I know I was I was kind of hoping we wouldn't mention that. Um, I mean, if you're the commanders, you're you're feeling pretty good about that, right? I, I don't want to check the line yet. Uh, that is going to be in Washington. And, you know, I mean, Chicago, I guess found some momentum last week, but I feel like the way you lose that game, you almost come out more demoralized. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, that'll be, uh, be one for the ages. Hopefully our live look in, uh, success mm. will be a little bit better on that one there before we hit up the, uh, Monday, I mean the, the afternoon slate, let's uh, talk about that. We mentioned Circa. Well, guess what? It's football season at Circa resort and casino in Las Vegas featuring the best pool in history stadium swim. Three levels, six pools, and a 143 diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football, playing every game from college to the pros. Catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including everything from cozy day beds to private temperature controlled cabanas. Stadium Swim, located at Circuit Resort and Casino, is open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. Book today at CircuitLasVegas.com. That's CircuitLasVegas.com. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. I am in Circa Survivor. I went with the chalk this week. I went with the Niners, which pretty much locks me into Philly on Christmas Day. Uh, but 
the rest of the, the league did so too. I think after last week's calamity, I think a lot more people were uh, eager to go ahead and get the uh, go go ahead and take the chalk. I think they were like forty nine percent used uh, in Circus Survivor. I know yeah. at OfficeFootballsPools.com it was only like thirty percent. So you could kind of see. I think there was a strong reaction to last week's results. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. And uh, you know, first of all, before we dive in on these late games, I, I want to issue an apology to the people watching live as I'm like sweating like crazy. Our our air conditioning went out. Oh, no. uh, over the weekend and we're like oh you know it's, it's october perfect it's what, what a good time for that to go out and all of a sudden it's like 85 degrees here oh. and i'm dying i could actually use one of those temperature controlled cabanas uh at circa uh right about now so uh you know we're, we're gonna power through the rest of the podcast but if i'm getting like progressively sweatier that is why um you know it's not because i'm upset with the jaguars offense or anything uh but you, you want to start arizona san francisco Sure, but I'll just say I'll make a rep movie reference that you won't get and say that okay. you're Albert Brooks on this here. Uh, but uh, I know you haven't seen that. Movie I'm going to Google who that is. Yes, that yes, is... exactly. Um, oh, is he, oh, he's an actor. That's not the character name. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, it, it's a network. I think it's I believe it's network news. He and Holly Hunter were in that movie. And broadcast it, news. Broadcast news. And he's like sweating profusely on a broadcast. So um, <laughs> that, that was the reference I was going for there. Oh man. All right. Well, I got the windows open now. So we, at least we, we got some moving. My neighbor was mowing the lawn earlier. I was like, this oh, is just a worst case scenario. My, my office, my office was becoming a sauna. Anyway, Cardinals Niners, uh, tough, tough luck here for those of us who were on Arizona plus 14. Uh, they, they, mm. I thought played a pretty good game. You know, you can only say so much about a team that puts up 16 points, but I, I mean, San Francisco to me has no doubt been the, the best team in the league, the most bulletproof team in the league on, on all sides of the ball. And you, know, you, you kind of still feel like this Arizona bubble is going to pop at some point, at least I do. And, you know, they go and beat Dallas straight up, uh, you know, on the road last week or excuse me, at home last week. And then you got to go to San Francisco and you're thinking, all right, this is the week where everything falls off. Yes, they end up losing this game, you know, by multiple scores. But I, I, I really like the effort that, that Arizona put in here. I continue to be really impressed by Joshua Dang. Dobbs. I, I think they just got they just got like slowly bled out by a San Francisco team that does this to just about everyone. But I, I thought Arizona you know, kind of stuck to its guns and for the most part ran a lot of the same things that have had success for them over the previous three weeks. I thought this game had three phases. There was uh, the Niners running out quickly, 21 to three uh, Arizona getting, get, you know, keeping their feet under them, getting that drive before halftime to get to 21, 10 got to 21, 16, even, you know, if they get that two point conversion, all of a sudden they're within a field goal. Right. And then McCaffrey came came back and took back over in the, the fourth quarter again. Pity the fool that was going up against Christian McCaffrey. He almost had five touchdowns in this one. Is yeah, mm. the play calling in that last touch last drive is like, okay, let's let's have some mercy on the people going against CMC. They did a fullback dive and then the quarterback yep. sneak for the touchdown there. I was like, ah, thank you. Oh, thank you, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that Niners franchise record was five. So, you know, they mentioned on the telecast, like, well, you know, you know, Shanahan's aware of it. Maybe they'll give him a chance at it. And, you know, ultimately, I think they were planning for Juszczyk to get that touchdown. He fell about, like, two millimeters short. Uh, and then Purdy was able to, to push it in. Hell of a game for Brock Purdy. 20 for 21, mm -hmm. 283 yards and a touchdown. I, I continue to see people, you know, just kind of implying that he's a system guy. I get it. I don't think he would look this good anywhere else, but I, I'm just really impressed, man. Week after week after week, like he makes pretty much every throw he needs to. Brandon Ayuk returned in a huge way. I mean, we saw George Kittle and Debo Samuel were just not even a part of this game. Like neither of those guys made an impact whatsoever. Uh, it was all Ayuk and it was all McCaffrey. Christian I or Christian Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, excuse me, had six catches that went for double digit yardage. Four of those for at least twenty yards. It felt like they they kind of hit him on the same play 
like three times where he's coming yeah. all the way across the field. Really nice uh, kind of left to right throw for Brock Purdy. Uh, one of those was just an incredibly acrobatic kind of in traffic catch by Ayuk, who, you know, this is what, like three straight years now. It feels like he's come back and just gotten a, he's become an incrementally better player each year. Yeah, he, exactly right. And, you know, he's, I think he's a free agent this offseason. It's going to be interesting to see where, if he gets paid by the Niners somehow, but I doubt they can because of just the contract they just paid yeah. out uh, to Bosa, but or where he lands otherwise, because he, he's he's a stud. Uh, Debo came into this game as a game time decision, so that kind of explains a little bit of the lack of targets in this one. But Kittle, I mean, I'm a, Kittle is frustrating because you know you paid a premium price to get a top five tight end, and he got one target. Yeah, he's tight end twelve right now on the year, and that comes with. You know, he had 1.9 fantasy points this past week. He had six fantasy points in week two. He had 4.9 fantasy points in week one. So, I mean, the, like, you're lucky that he's tight end 12 at this point. If nothing else, I think that says more about the state of the position than, than George Kittle. He's, he's been a huge yeah. disappointment. He has had the looked great against the Giants, but uh, that that's about it so far. I, I think good days are coming. It's kind of funny, though. The narrative was Brock Purdy re, uh, unlocked Kittle again. Right. Um, and now he's back to being locked up again. Arizona side. I'm really impressed with Michael Wilson. How can you not be two touchdowns? Yep. Just balling out out there. Yeah, I, he's a Stanford guy. I saw a note that you know McCaffrey and, and Wilson accounted for the first six touchdowns of this game. So that was just all Stanford uh, to begin this one. Yeah, he's. I mean, Hollywood Brown, I think, has actually had a, a better early season than I expected. Like he, he had a couple of really nice catches in this game. They're, they're still looking for him pretty consistently. Ten targets. Uh, Michael Wilson, I, I think, is still going to be out there on a lot of waiver wires and shallow leagues. So make sure you go pick yep. him up this week. Uh, again, you know, unless we get some sort of crazy injury in the Monday night slate, I think it's going to be one of those weeks where you're working the margins. And again, if you're in a Yahoo league, if you're in an ESPN league with your friends, there's a pretty good chance you can steal Michael Wilson away. Yeah, two weeks in a row, he's he's been productive in the online championship, Rotowire online championship. The NFFC seventy two percent roster. So even in the twenty man rostered leagues, he's available in some leagues. Prime time seventy five percent rostered. So if you do see him in one of those leagues, keep in mind talent is so so thin. Go be prepared to spend triple digits on him, um, and it'll be worth it. I feel like too. I would do it. You just you add yeah. talent when you can find it. Uh, and I, I feel like that's a, a kind of a leak in my game is that I'm not aggressive enough on the waiver wire in football leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shorter season and especially the deeper the league, the harder it is to find a difference maker. Go get them if you can. Um, that, that's about all I got to say about Arizona. Just keep in mind, they're going to be with Dobbs for a while. Ky- uh, Kyler Murray's not coming off uh, IR anytime soon. Um, kudos to the Cardinals for actually trading for uh, Dobbs actually, because you know, it's good, man. A lot of teams would be happy with that performance. Uh, although the Jets finally got something out of Zach Wilson, which we'll hit up in a in a bit here. Uh, but I was I was going to make the observation: what, how different would the narrative be if the Jets had just traded for Dobbs and had him as their next in line behind Wilson? I mean, they could have actually used him instead of Wilson, yeah. as opposed to like Trevor Simeon, who they they, yeah. they can't use. He's not good enough. I wish he was on the Falcons. I know I threw out last week kind of as a joke that Justin Fields should be the Falcons quarterback, but uh, Josh Dobbs, I think, would give them about what they're looking for right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's move on to Chargers and the Raiders. Another another quarterback making his first start in Aiden O'Connell. Another baptism by fire. Wait, I just think Khalil Mack sacked him again. What a, what a kind of reintroduction by Khalil Mack. Who I, I think it was just last week on the show we were saying, yeah, he, he might be done. You know, his, his days as an impact player, I think they might be over. 
he goes off for six sacks in this game. Yep. Uh, His first know, six 10 of total tackles. Yeah, four four QB hits on top of that. I mean, this was just a, a one-man domination. Uh, you almost forgot that Joey Bosa was not active, which to me makes it even more impressive, right? I mean, not having that guy that you need to pay all this attention to on the other side. Like, it, you know, like five, basically like five plays into this game, you knew Khalil Mack was going to be the guy that was going to wreck it for the Chargers. And, you know, the, the Raiders were sending extra guys. You know, they, they were kind of trying to do what they could. And it just, it didn't matter. I mean, there were a couple, a couple of these sacks where Khalil Mack was starting like a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage where you would normally line up and just getting a running start. And it was just, it, you felt bad for the Raiders right tackle. I don't even, I don't even know what his name is. Uh, he probably doesn't want us to be talking about him on this pod, but I mean, it, he had no chance. He had absolutely no, no chance. Like a no. lot of these were just straight bull rushes by Khalil Mack and, you know, Aiden O'Connell, you got a, an inexperienced quarterback who I thought given the circumstances actually looked okay. Uh, but was just, just not elusive in the pocket. You know, sometimes it was just the pocket kind of engulfing him uh, like a volcano uh, he gets sacked seven times on the day, lost 50 yards total on those sacks. And yet, you know, we, we, with Cleo Mack dominating this game with the Chargers defense looking pretty good, a rookie quarterback for the Raiders, this is one where for the second straight week, the Chargers were extremely lucky to escape. The Chargering was fierce, but so was the Raidering. Uh, and that was, yeah. and that ultimately proved to be overwhelming. But for the second week in a row, the Chargers failed on a short, a, four, uh, a short fourth down play. Herbert yep. trying to do a QB sneak with a you know a bad left hand. I mean, I I again I don't question going for it. I question the play call. Um, I I think that was a horrible, no good, awful play call when you got a guy that's got a bandaged left hand. Uh, he couldn't. He could barely hold the ball. Like it, we we saw Justin Herbert convert a fourth and short earlier in the game where he he went up and over and reached the yep. ball out right on the goal yeah, line. You, yep. He could he couldn't even grip the ball. Like I, I thought that was insane, an absolutely insane call. Like you don't want, let alone grip the ball. You don't want any contact to that hand. And obviously Justin Herbert's not going to carry the ball one handed on a QB sneak. I, I just thought that was insane. Well, if all you of this hand it is off there, fine. Yeah. All this is a product of Austin Eckler being hurt. Yeah. Because. He's their go-to on, on these situations. Josh Kelly has failed on short yardage situations numerous times. Uh, it's just he, he when they know it's coming, he can't beat it. That's right. that's all there is to it. Um, he, he's a fine back when he's a change of pace guy. When they don't know it's coming to him, but he's not. He's not a alpha, and that the that all their short yardage problems stem from that. Uh, that they don't have Eckler out there. Yeah, a couple other notes from this game. Uh, I mean, the Chargers defense was fantastic for for most of the first half. I mean, they were creating turnovers. They were forcing three and outs. I mean, the Raiders couldn't really do anything. And then all of a sudden in the second half, they were just walking up and down the field, uh, down 24 to 10 early in the fourth quarter. Uh, they had a first to 10 from the Chargers 18-yard line. Mm -hmm. Less than two minutes later, that was a fourth and 30 from the Chargers 38. Uh, yeah. So there's a sack in there. Uh, there's a, a penalty as well. Uh, the, I think that was a crackback block on, on Jacoby Myers. Uh, that was a yep. questionable one. But we, we also had the the insane Jerry Tillery play. I'm sure you saw that. Uh, that was that was as bad of a late hit as I think I've ever seen. Like he didn't even get you know the, the entire Chargers team kind of mobbed him. You know, obviously he played for the Chargers in the past, and yeah. you didn't really see anybody come into his defense. You know, he, he walked over to the sideline. He ended up getting ejected. Normally you'll see players come over, give them a slap on the back, give them a high five. I mean, I, I think both teams were like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Insane play. Absolutely insane play. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, that the, was just, you just don't see that anymore. Yeah. The ultimate the deciding pick, uh, this was Rushman brings this up. Why yeah. did they throw at the three when Jacobs, you know, was getting hot? Um, yeah. And there was enough was time where you're not pick. worried about, you know, the clock running. 
Yeah. It almost the Chargers almost blew that, even though too Asante Samuel didn't have to go down. He might have gone pick six there, and it was like two and a <laughs> half minutes he, left. Yeah. There's like too much time left to do that. Way too much time. And, and the Chargers obviously they end up running the clock out, but it took a what forty yard bomb from one handed Justin Herbert to like a fingertip catch uh, by Josh Palmer on the yeah. sideline just to get it to that point. I mean. The Chargers were not only should Asante Samuel have, have not gone down. I, I think he just thought there was like 30 seconds left instead of two and a half minutes. Yep. I mean, they were very close to putting the ball back to the Raiders with a with like a minute and 45 on the clock, which the way they were moving the ball at that point, uh, you know, felt like at least a 50% chance to score for what would have been good field position. So insane throw by Justin Herbert to seal this game, but it's it's only the Chargers where it comes down to that. Exactly. By the way, keep an eye on Herbert. I you know, he, he was able to kind of gut it out the rest of the way, but We've yeah. seen before opposite hand injuries. You can't get the snap properly. If yeah. he's got to have a big ass cast on his hand, that means a shotgun snap is even going to be difficult for him. Yeah. Uh, let alone just a snap from under center. Uh, yeah. Easton stick is your backup quarterback there. Well, we, we saw it, you know, when they, after they converted that long third down to, to seal the game, you know, he was taking the kneel down snaps in shotgun. So I think that tells you where the fingers at, uh, yeah. I mean, the good thing is the Chargers are on by this week. So you got an extra week for that hand to recover. Um, but, you know, if, it, if it's a fractured finger, which I believe it is, and they said there was some damage to the nail and the skin, like even with a bye week, it's like, yeah, it's, it's good that you're not playing next week, but it's still something that could be affecting you two weeks from now. And next mm -hmm. two games for the Chargers, home for the Cowboys at the Chiefs. Yep. not These are huge games. Huge, huge games. So, uh, yeah, the bye couldn't have been better timed. That's for sure. Yep. Second team in a row with that. Uh, Tampa's also with the Mike Evans thing there. Uh, all right, Dallas and the uh, the, the Patriots. Pass, pass. Uh, uh. Okay, Mac Jones is making Zach Wilson look good. He, he's, he, you know, yeah. the, the lack of awareness on that strip sack fumble TD. I mean, you got to get rid of the ball. Just got to get rid of it. The interception was terrible. The pick six was terrible. He almost got picked on another play where he probably should have been. Two two interceptions total. I mean, the Pats are just oh, this this is a really really this is a bad team. Not just a tough team to watch, but a bad team. Yeah, I mean, EPA says they're the worst offense in the NFL, and I think that the eye test would back that up for the most yeah. part. I mean, their their passing offense is a disaster. You know, at times they can run the ball, but they they just have no big big play ability, right? It's like they can they can get you you know Stevenson could get you four or five yards, but you're never you're never thinking, Oh, he's going to burst through and, and rip this one for 35. It's like, like just them picking up more than five yards on any play is like the equivalent of a 20 yard gain for another team. Like they just have no explosion. They, everybody looks like they're like 10% slower than the rest of the league. Um, you know, this defense lost Matthew Judon to what they think is a, yeah. at least partial tear of the biceps. If, I mean, if that's, if that's the case, I mean, this could be season ending. We, that's, that's a really difficult injury. I mean, that's, that's something that you see, you know, with defensive linemen, uh, more than any other position. And it's it's definitely not a, a week to week type of thing. So I think we're going to be without Matt Judon for several weeks at minimum. Um, yeah, everything's moving in the wrong direction, man. You know, we, we talked on the show last week about, you know, this Bill Belichick mystique. And, you know, you, there's kind of this logic of, well, if you're playing the Patriots, you know, Bill Belichick, he'll have something ready. I don't know, man. I, I know that the talent discrepancy here uh, is big, but we just saw the Dallas Cowboys lose straight up to the Arizona Cardinals. And I mean, this was just never close. New England was never competitive. Bailey Zappi came in at the end, didn't look any better than Mac Jones. Like, I, I don't know what the path is for, for New England. I, I don't know what the path forward is. Uh, you know, the ugliest game of the year might be coming at us next week against the Saints. 
Yeah, and they've had two uglies in a row. They won against the Jets, but it was ugly. Uh, totally unwatchable game. What's your panic level on Ramondre Stevenson right now? Uh, pretty high, I guess, uh, yeah. especially relative to where you took him and what your expectations were. Uh, you know, like someone like him struggling like he has to me is more surprising and more concerning than Damian Pierce. You know, it's, I think it's pretty yeah. easy to look back and be like, yeah, all right. I, I think that makes sense. It is the Texans. But yeah, I mean, Stevenson, I, I, I think that the saving grace is like they're not going away from him. Right. There's some other situations where you'll see teams just kind of abandon the run. Like he's had a, a minimum of 12 carries in every game. He's had 14 in, in each of the last three um, but he's just, again, his longest run of the season is 12 yards. Jeff, he has two carries that have gone for longer than eight yards yeah. on the season. And if, if the receptions aren't there, which like week one, 12 carries, 25 yards, that's terrible against Philly, but he had six catches for 64 yards. The last two weeks combined, he only has three catches. Like if that's not there, then it, it's absolutely full on panic. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, draft capital, you spent a third round pick on Stevenson. You didn't, at least with Pierce, right. he's like a sixth or seventh round exactly. pick. Exactly. You know, you had your doubts about him that he he's not like, yeah, it sucks when he's not good, but it's, it shouldn't be like devastating to your team. I've got a league yeah. where I, I took him in the third round, could have taken an elite quarterback, could have taken a lot of different things there. Yeah. Um, that's the uh, Rotowire joke strap league. And I'm getting housed in that league this week. The, uh, Greg Wilson's going to come on our show tomorrow, by the way. And he's going to be on full on character roasting me. So be prepared for that. Uh, okay. But uh, we had, we, you know, it's a fun league and he's a funny guy. So it'll be a fun segment, but man, uh, it sucks right now. I've got Stevenson. I lost uh, JK Dobbins in that league, you know, and I don't have an elite quarterback. Like the whole point is like, I should be like getting, you know, okay. If I'm struggling with these running backs, Oh, at least I got an elite passing game. No, I've got that. I've got Jamar chase suffering through the Bengals passing game. I mean, this is, it's Tough. just a nightmare situation here going on. And so my panic level on Stevenson's nine out of 10 right now. It's, it's really yeah. high. I think that's fair for a team that you know has a pretty difficult schedule in division. It's like you, you scroll through and they do play the Raiders in a couple of weeks. Like that could be a spot where, where he gets back on track, but like even, even like a matchup against the Colts, like that defense has looked better than we expect. And I, I think yeah. by later in the season, you know, teams like the giants and the Steelers, you know, they'll, they'll have it together. They do get the Broncos late in the year, but I mean, we're talking like December at this point. So uh, yeah. there, it's just, it's not really a great schedule uh, where, where you can kind of pick out two or three games where you say, all right, he'll get back on track here. I, I don't think that's really going to be in the cards. Should we finish out chiefs, uh, chiefs jets? I think that's our only game left, right? Uh, before we do that, here's a Taylor Swift reference by Mike Tariq. No, no, I'm sorry. Wait, here's a flag. No. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the actual game. Please. Please. I thought, uh, you know, NBC putting together that full like five minute trailer for Taylor Swift attending a football game was strange. Uh, that was like, it just kind of felt a little dystopian in some ways, but I, I also saw a bunch of clips on like Twitter and TikTok of, you know, just regular people watching the game. And then they're like eight year old daughters going nuts because Taylor sure. Swift was there. So like, I think there is real data. That, yeah. yeah I, I think it's, I think it's real. I don't think this is just like a made for TV thing. I think, I think people really do care about this. Maybe even if we don't, uh, very strange game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had two of the worst passes of his career. I would say like two of like the 10 worst throws he's ever made. And, uh, you know, both of those resented, uh, resulted in picks, just two, just weird underthrows. Yeah, you can see what he was throws. going for. Yeah. Just did not have the, the normal Mahomes touch prior to that. Uh, the, the chiefs have been rolling and, you know, that the safety by Jawan Taylor, who's been a complete disaster. Um, you know, I, I didn't really love the Jags just kind of giving him away, letting him walk in free agency, but he is, you know, provide done more harm than good for the chiefs so far in the season. So it goes from 17, nothing to 17, two, then there's the pick that turns into a touchdown. Uh, you know, the jets had a chance to tack a field goal on. They missed that before the half. 
Um, and then Mahomes throws another pick. So uh, ultimately, you, you thought the Chiefs were on their way to just embarrassing the Jets. You could kind of start to feel like it was a little uncomfortable, those first few Jets drives, like knowing that everybody in the building absolutely hates Zach Wilson and <laughs> does not believe he should be the quarterback. I was like, man, they're like one more three and out away from this getting really ugly and the crowd kind of fully turning on national TV. And then the unthinkable happened and Zach Wilson played the best two and a half quarters that we've seen from him in his career. Yeah. By the way, I can attest to the Taylor Swift thing being real. My my daughter that's in college uh, yeah. was texting me about this. That she goes, did you see that they're dating and she's at all the games? How do you feel about that? Are you a Swifty now? I'm like, okay. So, you know, and she's like, I'm going to root for the Chiefs now. Yeah. And my, my yeah. younger daughter, Aaron, she's still a true Bengals fan with me here. Good. But Good. Uh, Allie is not a football fan at all. And she's telling me how Braxton Berrios is dating this influencer and all this. And she's informing me on that, like, oh, sure. sending me football TikTok videos and all that. Okay. Uh, so, the all right. Well, we'll have to get her on the pot. Um, I can, I can, I can attest to that. Um, yeah. Back to the game, though. Uh, it's a shame Wilson's day ended on that fumble because he was having such a good game. He is playing so well. I'd love to pile on him like anybody else, but, man, he played well in that game. Some of those throws, the Lazard touchdown throw, it's awesome. He threw these yeah. back shoulder throws to Ty Conklin, for crying out loud, yep. that were just like lasers. Like, this is why he got drafted second overall. You can see talent, finally. Um, but, yeah, it ends like that. Uh yeah, you mentioned Taylor. That was the Juwan Taylor. That's just oh, it's just so bad. By the way, that wasn't a safety. It should have been like down at the I like agree one yard line. For all the complaining about the the calls at the end, and they were bad. The Chiefs got screwed twice. The horse collar mm -hmm. that wasn't, and the safety call that wasn't. Yeah, it, it was funny because tell like Chris Collinsworth definitely knew it wasn't a safety and was like trying to get there by being like the nice guy with the yep. with the rules analyst, whoever it was. And uh, there was just so much confusion. Yeah. yeah, Terry McCauley. That was just a very convoluted segment that, that I believe just ended with Collinsworth saying, well, okay then. Uh, essentially being like, you're wrong. Uh, because it was, it was very clear to me that the the contact with that face mask started uh, like at least a yard outside of the end zone. I, I guess if you want to say he didn't twist it until he was in the end zone, whatever. Um, I, I don't know. That was just a weird call in general. Uh, it felt like one where like the crowd kind of realized what was happening. And then the refs were like, yeah, might as well. Let's make it a safety. Sure. That'd, that'd be a little yeah. more interesting. Look where they are. They're, they're in the end zone right now. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I just, how can that not be looked at? I mean, it's a scoring play, right? Yeah, I agree. Aren't yeah, all scoring plays reviewed? They should be. They should be. I mean, especially if it's called a safety on the field, right? I think it, if it had been the other way around, then you couldn't review it. Right. So because it was called a scoring play, uh, then it should be. So yeah, that was, that was a strange one. They moved very quickly on that. All of a sudden, you know, the safety punt happened and, and we had moved on. But uh, either way, I, I don't know if that affected the bottom line. I mean, Mahomes just kind of losing his mind for a couple of possessions is really what, what kind of took the Chiefs out of this because they were rolling early in the game. I mean, they were just putting up, you know, putting up yardage at will. Isaiah Pacheco had one of the best games oh, of his career good. so far. I, I saw a stat from, from NFL Next Gen uh, that that first touchdown run that he had that went for, I think it was 48 yards. Uh, that went 39 yards over expectation. It had a 0.5% chance of turning into a touchdown uh, according to whatever analytics models they use. So he was, he was running hard all night, uh, had a good night through the air as well. Three for 43. Uh, but yeah, just a, another strange game. This is like three times in four weeks now where you come away, just kind of scratching your head with what we saw from the chiefs. Yeah. Honestly, even, even the Jaguars win. I mean, the, the offense was okay. It wasn't great. I mean, Mahomes yeah. got his yards, but I, I thought the broadcast did make one good point, and that is that the receiver they're getting nothing from the wide receiver group. No, nothing. nothing. Um, 
MVS dropped a ball that was just a bad drop. He, he he's supposed to be the guy that makes a big play every once in a while, and they're getting no that was big a ridiculous throw by Mahomes. That, I believe that was like a third and long, right? Yeah, yeah, hit him. I mean, could not have been a better throw, and just you know, right off his hands. Uh, I mean, Canarius Tony. I th- I think we kind of knew there was some risk here, but I mean, he looks just awful, just a complete non-factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, I thought Rasheed Rice made some plays. I mean, the, the three for thirty-two is not going to jump out at you at all, but had some nice runs after the catch. I think he. He continues to be somebody that I, I have some faith that, you know, as this year goes along, will be a more consistent threat for them. Yeah, I I, I agreed. And hey, they just won a Super Bowl without with this yeah. same lack of receiving crew. So, I mean, you can't be too critical of the Chiefs roster management, especially in a salary yeah. cap world. Uh, but man, uh, it's just it is. But you know what? Last year, they went through some struggles at times. The year before that, they went through some struggles at times midseason. They seem to figure it out. They're going to have a nice chance to figure it out because their next four games are Minnesota, Denver, the Chargers, Denver again. If you can't figure it out against those defenses, I mean, this is, this is a very nice little runway for the chiefs to start trying some things. Yeah. You know, I think Brian cook was in the forum was complaining about Travis Kelsey's performance. Hang on, Brian. You got two Denver games coming up. (laughs) Things are going to get useful real quick. Um, So yeah. Um, and, and Kelsey's coming back from an injury. I think yep. he's back just because a player is back. Doesn't mean he's cured. Doesn't mean he's a hundred percent. I mean, we see that all the time. Guys get cleared from the injury list, but they're playing hurt. Um, and I think, I think that's clearly the case with Kelsey. And, and of course you're playing the jets defense, which is really good. Um, and you know, he is the, when you're the primary target, the only mm-hmm. threat you're going to get some creative defenses thrown at him too. Uh, so, but you know, things will come around. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not worried about Kelsey at all. Uh, just kind of a weird game where the Chiefs, you know, didn't have as many red zone possessions as you'd think. Uh, you know, they settled for a couple of field goals where they were right on the borderline of the red zone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just kind of usually where Travis Kelsey makes his bones is when it's, you know, first to goal uh, from the seven yard line. And they just they just weren't in that situation last night. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we nearly this was the uh, other near cover that wasn't uh, the opposite side where the, the favorite would have covered. But Mahomes is smart. It was the, the absolute right play was to go down where, right there. You take kneel downs, game game's over. It's frustrating when you're on the Chiefs, but that was the right play. It was it was the right play. Uh, I mean, I think I also think if you you know kind of just jump into the end zone at you know what, what were I think at that point there was like a minute twelve left on the clock. Uh, you're, you're up ten. I think you're feeling pretty good, but. Technically, yes. You know, maybe the Jets return the kickoff and then get an onside kick. Like, yeah, you're, you're right. right. Like the, there's no way to lose the game if you're zero way. Because, yep. Unless yeah. you fumble a snap on a kneel down, which they did not do. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, math says it's the right thing to do. Uh, caution says it's the right thing to do. I get it, but that was that was a, a brutal play to watch. Like knowing that it's like they need a touchdown on this play because the field goal doesn't do you any good for the cover, and nope. obviously a first down that's not a touchdown uh, does it even worse. So. Uh, yeah, tough, tough way to go out on the Chiefs there. Uh, you know, not only that play, but Mahomes throwing the two picks. You know, basically blowing a 17-point lead. Uh, but it is what it is. That's that's why that's why it's tough. The 24-yard scramble kind of made up for things there a little bit too, though. That was a ridiculous scramble. Um, that was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, any other observations for the week before we sign off? Not too much. I think we went pretty deep on most yep, of these games. Uh, it's, you know, I encourage everybody who's watching along. Uh, if you're listening to this pod later today, you know, check us out on Sirius XM. We'll be on during Giant Seahawks tonight, seven to nine central. So chances are we'll have plenty of time to talk about other stuff. Uh, so, yes. uh, but or but we'll have live look-ins on the game. We'll have some observations. 
Uh, Nick will be sweating a Matt Breida bet, for, no doubt. Literally, uh, so, yes. Um, yes, literally sweating it there. That's a good point. Uh, thanks, everybody, for jumping in in the comments. Thanks for everybody listening in live. Thanks to those of you listening on your podcast. Uh, and we got uh, Joe and Jake uh, tomorrow. You know, an important waiver wire week where there's not too many obvious pickups. So they'll be diving into some of the, the corners there to help you out. Thanks for listening. Take care.